Welcome to SGTV. Today's episode is part of our Job Roots for Electricians mini-series. We'll be talking to various electricians about the different routes you as an electrician can take in the industry. So part of this mini-series, we've got episodes featuring domestic installers, rail, industrial, agricultural, tutoring. And today's episode, we're going to be talking to Mark Reeves, who's the director of Reeves, Reeves Associates. And Mark is an engineering consultant. So that's the topic for today's episode. So Mark, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, pleased to help out, obviously, and talk about obviously the routes, obviously, which obviously I've done over many years, but obviously be interested just obviously for obviously young electricians to see obviously what the routes are for the future. Yeah. So when I've I'm a bit lost on this one, I'll be honest, mate. When I when I hear engineering, I'm I'm seeing CNC machines and high profile lathes and that kind of thing so yeah you're right to be honest it's the word engineering is always misused i think a lot of people now call it building services uh, like engineering basically because you're right engineering to me is working i don't know making tools uh, working in a, a factory producing like yeah as you say mechanical but no i think it's the word mechanical electrical whereas electrical is a bit more straightforward but some people say a mechanical engineer doesn't realize he's designing air conditioning ventilation heating but um, as you say, I think a lot of people now call it more building services, and that's what a lot of the courses, uh, obviously the degree courses or HNC, ONC, are, are based around building services. So I think there is this misconception regarding that they think it's engineering and it's not basically. There's a lot more to it basically. So yeah. So so what is an engineering consultant? Uh, basically, um, you have obviously different, uh, obviously design team. You're starting off with an architect who obviously designs the building, and basically with the services, it's basically everything within the building. The engineering services consultants design. So that starts off with the basic, obviously incoming supplies. We sort out the incoming water, the incoming gas, the electricity. We size those supplies up, and then basically it's then designing the number of lights within the room the number of heating radiators in the room, the ventilation, the flow rates, uh, sometimes air conditioning, sprinklers. So in some respects, um, you've got to be a master of all trades in some, in some times because uh, sometimes actually, when I speak to a lighting engineer, all he does is lighting. Whereas when you're an M&E consultant, you have to be a lot, you, you know, we've got about lighting, power, uh, fire alarm, security, vice and data. So it, it is good because it opens quite a wide spectrum, basically. And what I find is when you speak to specialist companies, they're already there to help as well. So I think you don't got to be worried that you don't know it all. And I think no one knows it all. And in this industry, you learn, you are literally every day because there's different problems. And sometimes you find that the, the problems are sometimes the simplest problems that people don't ask that question. And I think I always say to young engineers, don't always say, ask the stupid question because sometimes yeah. people are afraid to ask that question and there's nothing wrong with just asking a simple question because sometimes the simple things get missed and I find that a lot that it's if any of any if any of anyone has said from the start of the, the job well has anybody thought about that so I think so young engineers definitely um ask the ask the obvious question if you don't be worried because I think a lot of um when we have design team meetings and it's always difficult I think as a young engineer what to say because sometimes you see a lot of an older like an architect or a project manager and sometimes you think oh they've got more experience but I think also it helps you gather your experience if you can raise 
questions. So basically, back to the question, it's designing everything uh, relating to a building, basically. You have part of the team, you'll have a structural engineer who obviously designs the structural. They work closely with the architect because obviously you've got to get the obviously the building to stand up. But then, then we get involved because you imagine structurally uh, there's some big beams going across. So we then have to design the services to fit round both the architect and the structural. So again, you get involved on buildings at very early stages. And I think also you learn is you don't just go full straight in on the design. Sometimes you're waiting for months sometimes before you can actually do a lot of design work. A lot of the times you're just going to meetings, talking about obviously probably the infrastructure and like concepts. So so it's basically yeah it's, it's designing everything within a building heating vents lighting power fire alarm um but there's also a lot of technical calculations as well because obviously to work out the size of a radiator you've got to look at basically the building fabric and basically within the building obviously the components there's brick there's glass they all contain heat and they all give off uh, heat so you have to do a lot of calculations which to fair when you find that most if you're even an electrician or graduate when you start for a consultant a lot of the time you were probably doing a lot of like uh, excel calculation sheets and also cad uh, obviously you do a lot i know one of the consultants uh, we had some my last practice that for two years all they literally did with the young engineers was cad which i think is not quite right really because i think to get to learn it's best to go out to meetings engineer and learn obviously what goes on at meetings basically so so is it mainly commercial and, and, and sorry commercial and industrial buildings that you're working no on? no again i think as an ME consultant you have the full range you could be at the moment in birmingham the birmingham sector's lots of resi mainly because the high speed to um and obviously they're looking at res, residential so no you can you can be working on a residential project you can be then working on something like a fire station you can be then working in a warehouse. And I think that's the good thing about it. You're not like pigeonhole in one sector. You can work in everything. As you say, most of the sectors, obviously, they're classic as retail, whereas a consultant, you don't tend to get in because, well, retail is obviously, obviously slowing down at the moment, obviously because obviously the COVID and obviously the, uh, the internet. But a lot of retail is basically fitting out shop fitters, which they don't tend to have consultants because... I'd know a brand like Next would have a standard specification, so they would give it to the contractor. They don't have to worry about a design because it's been done. But um, no, it's like basically there's, there's obviously the residential sector, which under the residential, uh, you can be an extra care. It could be a house. It could be apartment blocks. And you, then you have extra care, which is like... Um, for elderly which is getting more involved and then there's the healthcare, which is a massive sector obviously the nhs and hospitals private hospitals now with the hospitals they have certain standards which are obviously linked to the nhs so again um what i sometimes sometimes when you keep working in the same sector you get very familiar and i think sometimes it's good to work in a sector you're not familiar with because the standards and which you've got to obviously you read up more and i think it makes it a bit more interesting but now from from my history i've worked for car showrooms i've done um like big cash distribution centers for bank of england um i've done 
uh well a, 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 it's actually quite a good it was a scenario from 9 11 it was for the um fire service and it was recreating a building after 9 11 and that was really interesting it had an underground uh bunker where they had listening devices and they had cameras and it was simulating smoke and they had tunnels where they had obviously people so you really do there's, there's not every day is the same i'm gonna say different but you can get called and we're doing a, a valeting bay a car valeting bay where they've got six thousand cars in Leicester so you do get involved in quite a very very workload as well so so if you're having to deal with um you're having to deal with sort of plumbing a bit of everything yeah. I want to just sort of rewind to sort of yeah. your your training and how you got to where you are now because yeah a lot of people in the trades are very aware you know you, you've got your you've got your electricians you've got your plumbers your yeah your um you know plasterers everything um yeah it's not often that you really, especially on a commercial d- job, be doing someone else's work, you know, no. due to qualification yeah. standards, regs, right. all that kind yeah. of thing. So, so yeah. where, yeah, how did you start off to where you are now well, to have I, that I, knowledge? I served, again, I left school at 16 because this was back in 1979 and uh, I went for an interview at the um, Construction Industry Training Board and basically then um, I got selected to be an apprentice electrician and then they selected, I think there was about seven or eight companies and then they just literally say, oh, you're going to start with that company. So I I served a four and a half years apprenticeship uh, with a company and even that, um, my brother was an electrician and it's like, it's like most people at 16 you don't really know what you want to do and I know it's different now because obviously you don't leave school at 16 but my brother's electrician my brother was a fire alarm engineer and uh, I'd help my brother at weekends um, sometimes help putting lights up and things like that so I thought yeah I'll, I'll go for that I started as a, as a apprentice electrician um, which again was good because I worked for a fairly big company we did some work at a shopping center in Redditch um I did a work at Cadbury's. We did some um, residential blocks. I mean, and, and for probably 18 months, I was at Birmingham Airport. Um, but the problem problem was when I finished, um, it was the, what oh, year was the 83? There wasn't, there was like another recession. So I got made, uh, well, redundant, but I was still carrying on. I'd done my electrician's um like qualifications and then I carried on to do the ONC because I wanted to move into design so I think from the craft side it does take longer because you can't just go straight into degree so I think I did an ONC which was two years and then I did an HNC which was another two years and to be fair yes it is harder when you're electrician doing like design because there was there was obviously friends who were working at at college they were working for consultants of course they had all the material so again i'm not saying it was hard work and like people you have to work weekends you have to obviously try and obviously work a bit harder because you're not in the um you're not in an office where you've got all these catalogs and things on there but to be fair i think like everything else as long as you're determined you can do it and when i got made redundant i was only redundant for a week and i got job as electrician uh, a company called Barry Beard in Bromsgrove and they let me carry on at college as long as I worked an extra day and that that was tough because I was work obviously uh, four days a week then I'd work a day at college which was up till like sometimes nine o'clock at night and then I had to work all day Saturday but I, again I was determined and then I got a job then 
I was only there for nine months with Birmingham City Council in their engineers department doing small designs. Yeah. And I think the reason why, well, the reason why I got the job is because they saw I was determined and someone to work Saturdays to carry on. So I think, I think you've, the different routes are you've got obviously, if you're an electrician, you're really obviously, it's difficult to change like uh, sector and come with a mechanical engineer. And I think if you're an electrician and if you're enjoying it, it's the next step is to look at the design. But I really think that people I know that's come from that route are tend to be overall, they've got a better experience because they, a lot, a lot of, People who get no disrespect for people who do a degree straight from obviously school, university, but they haven't got the on site experience. So I always think that people who have got the on site experience will benefit in the future. What, because, what was it that sort of attracted you to it though? Uh, well, to, 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 to be totally honest, what the first one was a company car <laughs> because I saw where I was working. What car was it? <laughs> well, well, no, I didn't get it, but what it was, I saw when I was working at Birmingham Airport, there was all the electricians, and then the design engineers would come out and they were all with like company cars, thinking, oh, how do I get a company car? But it was, it was more than that, really. To be honest, I, I was more in, in I think, because I was at college with people who worked for consultants, and it quite interested me doing more the design. Um, so, but yeah, it, it, I think it was that it was basically uh there's nothing i completely nothing wrong with being on the tools and obviously you can make a good living of it in fact one thing to say as well is when you start off when i was an apprentice electrician my last year i was working seven days a week at birmingham airport because they needed uh, obviously to get the job finished and i remember i think i was probably this was going back at 1983 i was picking up probably 500 pounds a week which may not sound a lot now but that's probably worth know, especially yeah. it's probably over a grand it's probably over a grand now and then when i got a job with the council my first salary was 5300 and that was like you're probably talking a drop probably half the salary so i think you've got to if you come from the tools that's one thing you've got to realize is that when you start off the money won't be as good it will increase and it will you probably will increase you earn more but that's one important thing is that if you come off the tools because obviously you get overtime you get traveling whereas winning an office you don't but luckily what i'd done i'd saved quite a bit of the money i was earning and then obviously that helped me when i was starting but it does does then increase basically but that's one thing to do that obviously from the craft side or the on, on site you won't be earning as much when you start off basically so but I mean, that's that's something we say to a, a lot of electricians anyway, especially yeah, yeah. people that are later in their career and they want to get into the industry. Yeah. Um, I know, you know, I could name names, but they've gone from a completely different career. Yeah. They've, they've thought, right, I know I'm going to have to take a drop yeah. for a, a couple of years, if not more, but I know that it will balance back up oh, and no. if not accelerate even more. No, no, because I remember my, well, my wife, you know, my girlfriend, and she was a bit concerned when obviously we weren't saving up for a house or anything, but from going from like um, probably half the salary, but I did say, well, it's something I want to do. And obviously they were paying for my college fees as well. Um, and it was definitely the best decision I made. But um, what was quite good though, because working for Birmingham City Engineers Department, I worked for the maintenance department and literally you were t we were looking after uh, buildings that were probably over 12 months old 
so it was good because you could see what the like, a lot of the times it's stupid things there was no spare capacity like capacity on distribution boards there was no spare way so you wanted to add circuits it was a pain or there was plasterboard ceilings you couldn't get access so for me that was really good because i worked there for four years and um i worked for the there's two engineers i worked one for the south side of the city one for the north and it was typical local authorities the engineers the older guys didn't want to go out on site and me and the other technician they say we got six jobs for you and they could be oh relighting a school oh we're doing an old people's home with care extension can you go and meet the um like the contractors so it was it was good actually for it was like instead of going straight into the design it was like still doing design but on a smaller scale um but i think yeah i think for people i think it, it depends really what sector because if you say so if you're a mechanical engineer that basically obviously you're a pipe fitter and obviously they do a bit of ventilation it, it, it's 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 probably staying in that sector really it's very difficult to move from one to the other i don't know many people that's probably been a mechanical engineer that's then uh, coming to be an electrical design engineer not saying it can't be done because i think it, it can be um but i think the the issue probably is again is that a lot of companies if you're an electrician they want you to train you to be an electrician and it's it depends how willing they are for you then to obviously to carry on that learning basically it's whether you have to stop and do it yourself basically as like a full-time course but i think a lot of companies realize that um that the industry that it's a definite shortage of engineers because i think what's happened is that it's not always the most glamorous uh, industry to go in and a lot of people i always hear that a lot of companies find it so difficult now to get design engineers it really is one one thing i have heard though i mean you can correct me if i'm wrong in this is that engineers especially electrical engineers and mechanical engineers um the whole world is crying out for them and it can take you anywhere take you take you all over the world I got offered a job in uh, Australia. Uh, we were going on, well, my brother-in-law emigrated and we went over for a holiday and I'd seen an advert in one of the magazines and while I was there, I thought I'd follow it up. And uh, yes, but it, it wasn't the right time, but definitely, I think if you're in that industry, you can, you can, you can work all over the world because what you find is that the British standards are used, obviously in Australia they use because obviously part of the Commonwealth, but even Dubai, the Middle East, they use the British standards, which we designed to. Uh, America is slightly different, but again, it's all much for much, basically. So, yeah, you can work you can work all over the world in this industry and there is definitely a shortage. And I think it's probably only so it's only going to get worse, I think, anyway, as the thing is, because they say the problem is that um, and I think it's the same with craft side as well. As, as you know, a lot of people, tradesmen, it's very difficult to get hold of them. And I think the problem sometimes is that young people don't really want to get, say, get their hands dirty and work on building sites. But again, it can be very rewarding. Rewarding. So I think a lot of it comes down to just being aware mm-hmm. of the options. Um, yeah. It's something I've spoken about numerous times. But um, what I'd like to ask, though, what a, what a typical day looks like for you, sort of from start to finish. I know you said that it can vary, but just giving yeah. insight into into how it can yeah. be. Um, basically, it depends really what, because another thing as well, you're working on multiple jobs. You, you don't tend nowadays just to work on one job. Probably as a younger engineer, you probably do. But for me as a director, we've probably got around about probably 10, 15 projects at the moment. So a lot of it is really is answering day-to-day emails. And like everybody else, everybody's had enough of emails because obviously the world is, your day is dominated by emails. But it's 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 probably a mixture, really. It's, um, it's, 
it's it's answering day-to-day -day stuff about emails queries on like we're doing a um apartment block where there's queries on the u values how can if a builder can't achieve that u value how does that affect have we got to put more pv on so me being a director I, we've got a guy that does our energy we've got another guy that does our electrical calculations so to me as a, as a director I'm, I'm speaking to all those individuals basically and and i think another important thing for young engineers is pick up the phone because i find that a lot that when i worked i was looking after about 15 engineers a lot of the younger engineers just wouldn't pick up the phone and it's very you learn so much but you, yes you can send an email once you spoke but i always say to the engineer did you speak to the engineer no or well, speak to him you will learn more from speaking to engineer um, so if, yeah, to me, it's it's a, a typical day is doing some drawings. I can mark up some drawings because again, I think it's important for young engineers if they can do CAD. And obviously, that's another thing. Um, my son Greg, who works for us, he wanted he he came to work experience and he wanted to be a mechanical engineer. So I said to him, to be now a, a, a design engineer, you need to do CAD. So we paid for him and he did CAD on the evening as, as an evening course. And I think that's important because I'm obviously I'm a lot older now. I did learn CAD, but it's one of these things. If you don't do it day every day, don't mean a thing. So I tend to mark, hand mark drawings. Uh, scan it and send it to our CAD who, who then draws it up but Greg and a lot of the other engineers now will go straight to designing I think that's that's an important thing for young engineers to move into the design is to do a simple sitting girls you can do them on evenings just an AutoCAD course because they would expect you know I think I said previously as some of the bigger consultants they want you to do CAD basically for two to well, I say up to about 12 to uh, two years basically where again you learn a lot and, and um, Greg now, obviously, he can knock drawings off really, really fast because he's used to doing it. But I think I'd stress that, that I think if you want to come into the industry, you've got to have, have the facility to do CAD because you probably, obviously, with Revit or Beam, you know, the 3D, that's a bit more compli obviously complicated. It's not like a, you can't learn that instant, instantly. But I think when you're working for consultancy, they have BIM engineers who then can teach you to do that because that's, that's the technology will go 3D, whereas everybody's designed designing straight to 3D. You find it doesn't, not the stuff that we're doing, we don't do it, but the bigger, if you're talking like a lot of the government uh, or local authorities expect it to be, to be in BIM. But again, but I th I th that's the thing I would say to engineers, learn to do AutoCAD because if you're going to move into the design, that's what you would expect to do. But again, there's lots of software out there now that will actually produce 3D from basic 2D as well. So and, and there's YouTube things like that. Well, there is. There's, yeah, there's yeah. so much. There's 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 so much learning. Um, but back to my day, it's 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 probably yeah, it's a mixture of obviously answering emails, general queries, or attending design team meetings. And now we obviously with COVID, what we're doing today is Zoom or Teams. So which which has helped actually because. A lot of the times, like if you're doing a job in London, you'd probably spend two and a half hours dry or getting on the train, going to the meeting. And sometimes because the M&E is such a small amount, sometimes you're the architect to be there, a structural engineer or the QS talking for about an hour and you're probably staying five ten minutes of items but you have to be there because obviously they tell you about changes to the building so i think with teams now and zoom it has helped because you're not you haven't got that traveling time where and to be fair on the train it's not too bad because you can answer emails but when you're driving you can't answer emails that's so i think teams and zooms definitely helped obviously be more productive but 
you do find that a lot of meetings now are called for meeting sake sometimes. I think you've got to realise that certain jobs, like certain jobs, you have meetings weekly, some you have monthly. But I think that, especially nowadays, because everything's rush, rush, sometimes you have weekly meetings and it's allowing that time as well. But and the problem is sometimes, like any business, if you have a meeting, you probably have probably, I don't know, four or five actions. And then that then affects your following day because you think, oh, I've got today to do this. You have one meeting and then, oh, that's urgent. So it's like everything else. So you have a list. You always do a list of things you want to do. But sometimes you have one phone call and it buggers it all up and then you're playing, playing catch up. But that's the same with the industry, I imagine, anyway. so Yeah, I do find the beauty of these kind of uh, Zoom and Teams it can actually, I know it's, it's it, nothing beats pe- meeting people face no. to face yeah. and it's, it's nice sometimes to catch mm. up. But I think if you're busy and you're in a rush, I do think these kind of meetings, they actually eliminate a lot of the chitter chatter. Well, they do. Um, and you, right. and you just get the you get the you, yeah. know, you get what you need you get the information that you I need. I think yeah I think as long as it's a bit like emails really emails should be just like a basic yes no or can we meet yes <laughs> that's fine but they're not like that anymore now and I always say to engineers that if because I got an older guy who works for us who's like early sixties very good but of course it, and I think it's another important thing is address the email to your audience now he was very technical and he'd send an email that quoting flow rates manufacturers reference four, five, six, seven, that. And I said to him, the client, all the client wants to know is, have we sorted it? Or yes, uh, or what's the additional cost? He doesn't want to like, and I always say to people, you get bored, don't you? If you're going to do a report, do it as a separate attachment because people get bored of reading emails as long as they don't get to the point. So, but um, emails are a part of the day and obviously every everybody now has to answer emails. And I think what you find on, on teams, on meetings in the construction industry, you've got an architect, you've got the project manager, you've got structural engineer and when they copy everybody in so you do get a lot of emails and sometimes you have to look through or do they want an answer for me or not because it's very sometimes difficult isn't it really so yeah i think whatever part of the trade you're in whatever part of the industry or experience Mm. it learning learning how to speak to different people yeah and, yeah and the way they want to be spoken to is something yeah. something you just have to learn you yeah know? And some I think, people might want the technical yeah. every little last bit some people might yeah. just want a straightforward answer and I think I was conscious from going on the tools because obviously on the tools, uh, well, the, I was on the tools, I was just thinking as mobile phones, but you you don't speak to a lot of people on the phone in the day. But so when you're in an office, you are, re- it's more email now. And sometimes you're conscious when you're on the phone thinking the people listening, well, they're not because they're getting on with it. But I think don't be afraid as well, again, to pick up the phone and ask questions because you find that the manufacturers out there, like a lighting manufacturer, are willing to help. Because at the end of the day, obviously they, they want to sell the business so there is always help and especially nowadays with google it's so much better as well because they say there's always something on google on the internet that can help younger engineers anyway and i think when you work for a bigger company there's always people there who who tend to give the time to younger engineers and help them out so yeah well one thing i want to ask as well if 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 you're i know we spoke about how you got into the industry and how when you're younger you go through the through, through the routes but let's yeah. say you've been, I don't know, working in IT for the past 10 years or whatever yeah. it is. And now you've decided, I want to get into electrical engineering. So how, yeah. would, how would an adult learner make that change? 
I think, again, you'd have to go to one of the local universities and see what courses are available. It depends, really, what background. Yes, if you've done, like, IT, it depends, really, if you've, you because a lot of the modules are very similar. I think you'd have to really speak to the different universities to say what your background is and what, what experience you've had, because they'll probably tailor to say, well, actually, yes, you can move into – so they, there's nothing there's nothing saying you cannot move, obviously, into a different industry. But I think you've got to be realistic to, to – you may have to – come in a lower level just to learn the background I think that's the difference where I think I did know somebody um I can't remember which actually his background he was but he, he moved into electrical and he wasn't I think he was I think it was um photocopiers actually he was, he was he was repairing photocopiers and um but he'd done like the basic electronics and some of the electrical but I think he had to start a lower year just to get through the basics basically because it's like the different modules to tick um so I think really you'd, you'd have to speak to university to, to ask them really which which is the best course to suit them that you may have to go at a lower rate initially um but again there's nothing wrong because again moving into a different sector if you've got somebody who's very good on it that will very that would help him being an electrical engineer when in the future when you do obviously we have to do voice and data we have to do cabinet so again that would help as well and i think certain companies you, engineers specialize in different topics so again i think that's a bonus to somebody to say well actually I've, I've spent 10 years in it i want to move over but you'll always link to that it so i think again you see it as a benefit uh, okay. going forward yeah. but there's not there's nothing stopping i mean i used it as an example yeah um, yeah so like you say though it depends on your, your past experience if, you, if yeah. you've been a carpenter that might yeah. come in handy in some form or yeah 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 you know working in a warehouse i don't know maybe it's gonna they're gonna you're yeah. gonna look at your experiences and and use yeah. it as a positive but, like you say yeah a lot of it though is all the practical experience and, and a lot of the time is visualizing because we're just designing 2d all the paper on looking on paper and sometimes it's difficult difficult to visualize but where if you've been on the building site you know what it looks like you know what that building fabric looks like so again that that helps as well so um i've got a, a question here yeah, wrote yeah. down um looks like a complicated one but it's yeah. to do with the the qualification so i've got incorporated engineer uh, in yeah. brackets ieng versus bachelor's degree in engineering bemg uh, yeah so i'll let i'll leave that one to you what's what's all that about yeah, uh, basically, obviously, because I came the trade, like the construction trade route, um, I think nowadays a lot of people, because a lot of it's degree based, isn't it? Everybody seems to want a degree, but I, I didn't. And uh, well, to be fair, when I, I finished my HNC, because I worked for the maintenance department, they wouldn't let me do a degree course. My colleagues who were working, who was at college in the design department, went straight to do the degree, but they needed to do level four maths. So I paid extra to do level four maths on the night time. And I thought, I'll move into the design department. Well, I moved into the design department by Christmas, and they said, you missed too much for the degree course. And then the following year, the degree course wasn't run because literally there wasn't enough people. So I never actually had the degree. I never actually finished my degree but to fair that's never stopped me because i think like everybody else it's what you can offer what you can bring because yes it's it's great to have a obviously a, a a bsc a degree obviously obviously it's very good but at the end of the day it's the experience and what you can bring so i wouldn't put people off to say you've got to get because again an engineer who worked on my last practice he again he stopped at an onc 
he was a great engineer and um i know uh, to be chartered because obviously you need a degree to be chartered now and i think that is the thing to be a chartered engineer but i i was an ing which is like incorporated engineer compared with a chartered engine engineer and to fair like again i'm running my own business no one's ever said to me you're not chartered you're not doing the business because at the end of the day it's can you do the job yes we can do the job yes i think it helps going for a job obviously if you can say you're a um you've got a degree but i wouldn't I, a lot i wouldn't i think at the moment it's it's eagerness people would rather see someone who's keen wants to learn that may not have that qualification but it's not saying you haven't had that you haven't had that chance to do that qualification and you're never too old because obviously a lot of companies now will continue to learning obviously will continue and um I think to be a chartered engineer anyway, you need a degree, but you probably need another five, 10 years experience anyway to be registered. So, but no, I, I think, cause I came for the craft side and uh, if I'd perhaps moved a bit earlier, I might have done my, I might have done my degree, but I do know companies where I've worked in London where it's been the MD didn't have a degree because at the end of the day, it's you do the job and it's all down to personality as well. I think if you've got a good personality and people see you enthusiastic, that, that, that's, that, that's what you want at the end of the day. You could have a great guy with the best qualifications, but if he's not enthusiastic, he's not, he's not open, he's not speaking, then who would you rather have? You'd rather have the guy that's obviously who's keen um, and obviously can do the, do the job. So yeah, I, I, could, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah. Um, when we're talking about regs and things like that, we obviously a lot of our audience will be aware of 18th edition and that kind of yeah. thing for, for your electrical um, mm. part. But how does that sort of play into what you do? in terms of regs and all that kind of yeah. thing? Yeah, well, to be, fair, to be totally honest, and I, I find this a lot with consultants, you probably find electricians are probably more up to the regs than we are because at the end of the day, we design with the regs, but most of the regs is down to the installation. So, again, I wouldn't worry about the regs because, again, um, you can buy regs, you can buy guide to the regs. So I think um, it's more to do the design, but, again, there's design software out there. Electrically, there's software called Amtech, where you put in all the different distribution boards, you take off the cable lengths, and it works out the calculations for you, which is in line with the regulations. So to be fair, again, I think that if you've an electrician who's, who's good knowledge of the regulations, that will help as well, because a lot of the queries we get being a consultant is a, a client or a main contractor may query the standard of insulation. Well, the regulations is, is basically a guide, but it's 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 this, 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 it's a recommendation. Is it a requirement? Now, most electricians will know because they've 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 got to be up to date on the regs. They are probably better. So, in some respects, I think if you've got a good knowledge of the regulations, that will help you as a consultant. Because, as I said before, as a consultant, because you're you're, you're in different sectors, you're doing a fire alarm design, you're doing a lighting design, you're doing small power. Whereas electrician, the regs is like your Bible in some respects. So you're going to know it better than a consultant. So, so does it pay to have good relationship with a, with with a team of electricians, or is, does it vary depending on where you are? It's where you work, but I always I always say to the guys that get on with the guys on site because you're all as a team now because it, it, you've designed it. But at the end of the day, the electrician's got to install it, so you got to, you want to get on with him. And sometimes um, the guys are on site; they're on site for like five days a week. You're not, and sometimes the electrician will ring up and say, "Well, actually, I found a better route to doing this." So you, you speak to them and you you come to site and say, "Yes, you're right. You agree." So I think sometimes you, you're all because I think I've learned that 
so it's the design team you've got the structural the architect uh the qs now in the design team if someone doesn't perform you all get tired with the same brush and it's a bit like you've got to get on with the site form and the builder because at the end of the day you all want to you're all there to achieve the same goal to build a building so i think it's good well it's important to get good relationships with the guys who are installing from your design because at the end of the day um they can give you some professional advice sometimes they say well oh no there's a reason behind this but sometimes it's always useful to listen to what they say because they say they've walked around that building more than you have and when you look you haven't been probably been to site for two or three months and they know the building so again important thing go when you do work as a consultant is get on with the guys on site yeah. don't, don't, be don't, too, I, don't be too proud don't be too proud don't think oh yeah i'm because a, a lot a lot of I, I we're speaking to clients a lot of consultants tend to think oh, i'm a consultant now i'm not going to sites oh that's down to the contractor well it's not because at the end of the day you designed it and yes there's different ways you can install things but oh don't don't we should say too proud to listen to the electrician you'll probably know he's, he's, he's probably found a great great solution so yeah that's another thing is and because you're a consultant doesn't mean you can't obviously speak to the electrician and all the rest so yeah and important just all you've all got to get on as as a team so um how, how many opportunities would you say there are or, or do you think there's a good opportunity for um employed engineers to actually start upon their own and go self-employed it's probably more it would be more difficult i think it's easier to go self-employed as electrician because obviously or pipe fitter or it because obviously there's lots of sites you can work it's difficult to suddenly to come as a design consultant because People don't know you, and it's like everything. It's like everything. There's a network, basically. For me, I've set up Reeves Associates um, last year. I was made redundant because they were the company I worked with was closing the Bergham office. They were selling the company. And they wanted to close. So, in some respects, they were all my clients. I'd, I'd been there for five years. They were all my clients. So, in some respects, it helped me. But you've got to have a network, and I think that's the problem. To suddenly, I think the the other issue you can look at is be a contract engineer. Whereas, if you want to obviously work for different consultancies that's a good route because again that gives you an idea you can you're working for different consultants and you can see how they work and what the relationship is in the office is it a good vibe so i'd probably say that that if you're going self-employed i'd probably go as a contract engineer so that way you can see but and also i think a lot of a lot of consultants if you're working contracts and you're very good they'll probably want to make you a permanent one as well so it mm. gives you that opportunity as well because again there aren't many i know good like contract engineers because they end, if they're if they're that good people snap them up if you know what i mean so yeah. so it's i think to, to advertise yourself as a as a consultant when you haven't worked for a company would be very difficult so um what would be your final advice for anyone thinking about uh, not only getting into the industry, but progressing from where they are in, in the industry into what you do? I think I think don't be afraid. Uh, I think you need to obviously contact as many companies as you can, basically. And I, I think I think as long as you you're honest with them where you are and where you want to be, I think they're definitely definitely really do because we used to get we used to do um, like work experience and some of them were there and they're just going through the motions and you could tell the ones who were really interested and you knew they're the ones that would be successful. So I think don't be afraid and you're going to get turned down because there's certain companies haven't got, obviously don't want to try and they just want someone in, but there's definitely now because a lot of the, a lot of the um, companies, they have a lot of the graduates, but they're also interested in taking people on who are perhaps like a, a less qualified who want to come in, in the industry. So, 
I think definitely send that email. Just obviously there's lots of companies you go on the internet, find out all the building services consultants and just email them. And I, I think they'd probably be surprised that as long as that, as you say, they they give them an honest where they want to be and, and they want, it's like it's their drive. Then I think that realistically they would take them on. And would you say it's a, an enjoyable industry, an, enjoy, an enjoyable job? Yeah, yeah, it's like most stuff now. It's I think the it's 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 just a time now. That like everything now is that everybody wants everything like um, like ninety miles an hour. And I think the only frustrating time is sometimes clients sit on projects, and I know a lot of the time it's get the right, and then suddenly it's full steam ahead, and you're thinking if only you told you contacted us like two months ago. But no, no, it's good and it's rewarding, and as you say, you you get involved in different sectors, um, and so I think that's that's a good thing. You're not you're not just in one. On, uh, like you know, I think you work for a big company. You may be working on a hospital. If it's just like the QE hospital, you're probably working there on five years. But a lot of the times, you're probably working. I think the design is probably six weeks. You've done the six weeks design, and then you're doing another project. But then it's probably the early stages, and then you've got a bit of site supervision as well. So you've got a bit of everything. You're doing design meetings, site supervision, or even condition surveys. So you're doing a complete mixture basically, and and that's where I think the learn Learning is doing different, different, uh, different style of projects. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of today's episode. Um, but I want to thank you for coming on and speaking to our audience, Mark. It's very appreciated. No, it's fine. No, so, um, yeah. Yeah, and as I said before, and this is part of our mini series. So there's so many different routes that you can take as an electrician. As we just heard from Mark, you've got an engineering consultant. There's domestic installers industrial, agricultural, so many. They're all part of this mini-series, so make sure you like, subscribe, hit the notification button below. You'll be able to see all of those videos and the rest from us here at SGTV. So anyway, thank you, Mark, and thank you all for watching.